Welcome, and you're listening to the You Are Not Alone podcast series, created to provide support to the special educational needs community in Brent and beyond. This is a Jason Roberts Foundation production. Hi everyone, how are we all doing? Good, thanks very much. All right, well we're we're here to talk about special educational needs in Brent. This particular podcast series is called You're Not Alone, and we're here to support the community of Brent and show them all the different options. We've got, from what I gather, over 300 years of experience, combined experience sitting in the room. Um, so there's quite a lot of knowledge here. I've got screen in front of me. I can see a lot of faces. So let's go around the screen, give us a, a little introduction and tell us, um, you know, exactly what your involvement is in this particular arena. Richard, you're, you're first. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Richard. Uh, I'm founder of Snowbility and we do snow sports coaching for additional needs and uh, disabilities up at the, uh, at the snow centre. And we're involved with well certainly five six schools in the brent area so we have a lot of students who come up uh, come up to us uh, on a regular basis and have been doing it for nine years okay thank you very much um margaret hi margaret i'm um, director of education for bsat i work closely with many of the people on the screen including jason roberts foundation and snobability and i've had a lot of um long-term working relationship with John as well at TVS. Okay, thank you. Jonathan? Hi everyone, I'm Jonathan Bath. Um, I've worked in special needs education for the past 15 years. My current role is physical education lead at the Village School in Kingsbury, Brent. And I'm also a special lead leader in education in my current role. I've also had the pleasure of working with a wide range of professionals within the room. Jason Roberts Foundation, where I've supported the foundation in Grenada to um, develop their, their PE curriculum and disability sport. Um, I've worked closely with uh, the Golf Trust, with Kai, and he'll mention that later on. And also um, I formed partnerships with Richard from Stability, as well as, um, like Margaret previously said, working with her closely with outreach work and support as well. Okay, thank you very much. Jane? Hi, I'm Jane Jardine. Um, I'm the executive head across uh, the Avenue and Manor Special Schools. Um, we're part of the Specialist Academy Trust and um, we work very closely with everybody who's joining us tonight and uh, really are passionate to provide now as ever as much support for children with special educational needs across, across, across London, across the UK. Oh, fantastic. Kai. Uh, hi, Kai here, uh, founder of the Golf Trust. We uh, deliver across the UK and further, uh, focusing on um, delivering golf to various communities. In Brent, we partner JRF, worked in various schools and with disability organisations across the borough uh, with a specific focus on special needs, pound disability, focusing on social communication and interaction um, of students. Okay, thank you. Kate? Hi, I'm Kate Campbell. I'm the head teacher of the Avenue School in Brent, which is part of Brent Specialist Academy Trust. Um, I've been the head teacher there since it opened um, just under three years ago. And we're a school for children with complex needs and autism. Okay, fantastic. We have a parent here, David. Hi, 
Uh, I, I'm David Flynn. Uh, I'm I'm a parent. Uh, uh, my son is ten and a half, and he attends the Avenue School. Um, he's got send needs, um, and I'm also chair of the local academy board uh, for the Avenue School. Okay, thank you, David. And Mr. Roberts Otis, CEO of Jason Roberts Foundation. Oh, thanks, Mike. Um, I'm, jo I'm Otis Roberts, uh, CEO of the Jason Roberts Foundation. I'm just delighted to really be here in a room with so many familiar faces. Um, I've spoken to Richard and met David the other day on, on Zoom. So just passionate, as Jane said, about helping young people in Brent. We've worked across Brent and other boroughs and, and in Grenada. And some, some people in the room have partnered on our Grenada project. But just delighted to, to be able to lend our expertise and the, the many years of experience in this room uh, towards helping parents and and people alike um, across across Brent and the rest of the country. Okay, thanks, No. Well, what I want to do here now is really let this flow. In respect to that, there are obviously going to have been some challenges through this period. I mean, who would like to kind of kick off and start talking about that? I'm going to pick on you, Margaret. Margaret. Hi, what was, sorry, the question is, what are the challenges? Yeah, and what are the challenges is, you yeah. had to face during this caravanas? Uh, well, the challenges for us is the number of pupils we have who have, don't understand about social distancing. So as such, um, Brent Specialist Academy Trust cannot have these children in school safely, so it's safer for them to be at home. So um, one of the main challenges we have is trying to think of ways that we can provide for those children who are in self-isolation and to support their parents at home. Um, we have some children in school and that's working out really well. So I think the next week we're going to be opening up the playground for allocated hourly safe play visits for families to come where the school will then ensure that the area once they've left is safe and disinfected for the next family to use. Um, so that's one of the things we're doing. Jason Roberts has been absolutely wonderfully generous by um, ordering us some packs that we will provide to families at home to support their um, self-regulation and all the other things that we do as a matter of just normality in school. But at home, children need to have that and we're going to support parents in delivering that. I'm sure that Kate has lots of other things that that we're talking about. So, Kate, have you got um, any ideas of what you're providing for your children with more complex learning needs? Yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges is trying to support parents with home learning because it is about parents um, having realistic expectations and it's a completely different environment to the school environment. So what we're trying to do is recommend activities and things that parents can try at home. But I know from speaking to all the parents that sometimes that also presents challenges and it's about trying to use the home environment. And obviously, everyone has different things that they've got access to at home. So for some of our families, they've got gardens, they've got trampolines, they've got all sorts of things. And some of our families don't have that. So it's about the parents in a completely new way, having to be really creative about how they support their own children at home and try and continue their education and with support from the teachers and the, the leaders at school as well. I could yeah. just add on that from a... Um physical um physical exercise and physical development aspect i think i agree with what kate's saying there about really trying to be creative and 
from the village perspective, again, we're providing um, learning packs from home and similar to um, what Margaret mentioned. But in terms of physical activities, um, and I'm, I've just recently put together um, an exercise workout that targets um, a certain cohort, so our MLD and SLD students and ambulance students, and also we're looking at our PMLD students, so what they can access in wheelchairs. So just for example would be we're looking at a Skittles game, Skittles game using um, recyclable water bottles and making um, adaptable ramps through cardboard um, boxes and pushing the ball down to knock over the Skittles. So it's about being able to access these resources and then showing our parents what we can do with that. Fine. Yeah, I mean, from what uh, I've been hearing and speaking to parents, um, my side of things and who I've been speaking to, a lot of it is there's a big loneliness issue as well that's going on, uh, combating loneliness. Um, the times we were, we're in at the minute, it's, it's going to be hard for parents who've got vulnerable children already to really focus if they're working off work and on the child and everything they have. But also there's, there's a demographic that we, we haven't spoken about yet as well is those with, with special needs and disabilities outside of education who are 20 plus. And yeah. that's, that's a target that parents, families, siblings and friends, that's where the isolation will really kick in. And it's um, an opportunity where we need to reach out to those because the vulnerable are going to become more vulnerable and the isolated can become more isolated. Obesity can become an issue because we know how easy yeah. it is yeah. to eat unhealthily, especially if you're, if you're time restricted. Uh, diets and stuff like that stuff that we all focus on in our general day-to-day -day. stuff like this is where the, the holistic approach of, of what we need to add to our support network is key okay that's great Jane yeah I, I think it's uh, it's making sure that everybody feels that someone's listening to them that someone's got their back if they if they need some help that they, they've got somewhere to go to they've got they've got people that they can rely on people who are, who are responding really flexibly and really listening to what what families are actually saying and not just doing a blanket approach, um, but trying to really think about each individual family, each individual child and supporting them in, in whatever manner we possibly can. And, and that's certainly really trying. There's lots of online stuff and that's all great, but for many of our children, that's not appropriate. They, they, they can't access it, they won't access it, whatever. Um, so it's really trying to think about being bespoke. And one of the things that um, I think is, is, has had a lot of very positive response is from staff videoing themselves specifically for, for the children so that the children at least can still feel connected um, and, and we're there to, to, to ensure that the parents still feel connected because um, whilst it's lovely to see you tonight on this Zoom, we know even from our own meetings with people, it's very frustrating not seeing people in, 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 in person. So it's trying to give people reassurance that there are things still, we're still there for people and um, we're still trying to respond as, as individually and as personally as we, as we possibly can. I think what you said there, Kate, is, is perfect. I mean, we're, we're, in, a, we're in, a, in, a, in an area of our work and what we do, all individuals, we, we all thrive on that personal approach and especially with special needs everything's personal everything's individual and i think you're right that blanket approach can't work in our scenario um because we need that individual touch and that's where we've all had success in what we do 
And David, as a parent, I'm sure you'll, you'll testify to this, that, that every child individual and then every parent's individual needs are completely different. So that's where I think this, that, that bespoke nature is completely right, Kate. Okay. I'll yes. come, to that. come on, David. Yeah, yeah Mike, I'll just say a couple of points there. I mean, there was a lot of good stuff mentioned there. Um, uh, my son, he's 10 and a half, and, you know, uh, it, it's, this time is a difficult time for him mentally. Because, you know, he's normally, he, he really loves his school. You know, he loves his school and he really misses his school. And as well, you know, he misses the structure and, and he misses the teachers. And, you know, um, I, I, I know that Jane mentioned there that more recently they, they have been doing videos in, in the course of the last few days. And that has helped a lot because he has actually seen his teacher. And, you know, th th that has at least allowed him to register that she still exists. I, I suppose in relation to the whole home learning thing, as Kai was saying, you know, every scenario is going to be dif different. Key sort of parameters or variables to sort of think of here are, you know, are the parents working from home? Um, how many siblings are in the house? Is the house large? You know, have you got a spare room that's sensory sort of neutral? Um, what type of equipment have you got? Have you got a big garden? Um, you know, and all those sorts of things play a part, you know. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I'll speak sort of from our perspective and, and the perspective of our son. You know, I, I am working from home and that, that can be quite challenging. You know, I've got a, a good understanding employer, um, but obviously you've got to be there um, for the hours and for the meetings and so on. And um, equally, we have other kids, and therefore my wife has to give them time. So um, what, what you've got to try and do then is, is try and program your day to try and slot in. Uh, so it's almost trying to slot in around your work when, when you can give them homeschooling. And, you know, I, I mean, what, one of the points that we've sort of noticed is that in the morning, um, what we try and do as much as possible is... Uh, get up early before my work commences and you know our son generally is very fresh in the morning and that that is a good time to catch him because I think the sensory loading is lower when he wakes up obviously as the course of the day goes on um, you know the containment that's associated with this lockdown does really, you know, exacerbate the sort of sensory loading more than it normally would. Now, we have a trampoline out the back, and, you know, he does use the trampoline and so on, but obviously, you know, the fact that his normal structure has been taken away from him, it does sort of quickly exacerbate the situation. So by mid-morning, you know, he's beginning to feel it a bit. So, you know, through the course of the day, you know, he tends to sort of follow, you know, a different trajectory, if you like, and you know, in the morning, we'll, we'll, we'll try certain activities, certain things, and then maybe we'll reserve other activities um, for later in the day or the afternoon, and that might include reading, because reading um, offers a lot of versatility, and he, he's now, you know, he likes reading, and we've got him, you know, some good ladybird books and so on. So it's, it, it's challenging, you know, it's, and, and I think it's, it's changing sort of week on week, day on day. You know, an example is the videos were introduced now by the Avenue and that has made a difference. Um, you know, I suppose the problem that 
that we have as parents as well is that it's not clear when the lockdown is, is or how long it's going to last for. And, and obviously, if it runs into the summer, then, you know, the whole summer holiday and the lockdown merges into one. And, you know, children like our son aren't used to that. So, I mean, they're the yeah. sorts of points. I'm just throwing them out there, really, for people. Yeah. Well, that's good. Richard? Yeah, I mean, mine's a slightly <laughs> different situation uh, in that we had to close, you know, we're dealing with 250 students, SEN students every month. And not only them, but we siblings of the 250, parents, teachers, etc. And we had to close down. You know, we had to go from, from that to zero in the space of 12 hours. However, they are our students and they've been coming for, for a long time. You know, we've been going for nine years. A lot of our students are, you know, have been coming for, for, for many years with us. So the biggest issue that we then had is obviously communicating when they were for over the last week before we closed it down talking to the students about that this is what was going to liable to be happening so that they at least were aware that they weren't suddenly going to have something where they go, away. we want to go skiing with all the guys and with the school, et cetera, and we're not going to be able to do it. You know, those communications, and actually one of the biggest things that, that of our chats that we had with the students was about this thing about social distancing. If I said to you, let's social distance or let's physically distance <laughs> – you know, the social thing is to them is about communication and they're going to go, oh, what well, aren't we going to be allowed to communicate? Whereas it's a physical thing. It was what the government was trying to say is actually let's make sure we're eight feet away from everybody and that's what's going to do it. But that's, that's not social, that's physical. So it's all of these sorts of conversations that were happening and the parent, you could see them happening with the parent. But the key to us is going to be the after. It's going to be empowering the schools and the students and the parents and the kids to go actually there is going to be an after this is going to be it's going to be tricky and if you need to communicate then obviously through the schools they've got some fantastic things going on i mean we do a um with all of our main uh, additional needs ambassadors we do a, a, a weekly zoom call where we talk about cake and stuff like that uh which is great um, apparently, but uh, the only problem was that my my bread pudding apparently was inedible, so that was <laughs> one of those things. Um, but it's going to be about afterwards. It's going to be about actually them being able to take everything that they're learning because they are learning through this period because this is a hugely challenging period, and then trying to use all of those learnings as positively as possible when we get out of it, whenever mm. that might be. Mm. Can I just say that it is, um, if we can remain in contact and communication lines constantly open with our families and our pupils, it's going to make it much easier when this does end, and it will do eventually. Um, so we need to be in contact with our parents. and we are Every week we're in contact with our parents. We find out how their children are getting along. We talk to each other as an executive team so that we can uh, try and make things as easy for those families as possible that are not in school. I think you're right. I mean, the after effect of, of this on the students, Richard, is key. I was just um, thinking back to what David was saying a minute ago about change of routine. It's all going to go up change again when this is done you're right they've got to try and get a child back into the routine 
of, of going to school. I mean, one of the things we, we do at the Golf Trust with all our sessions when we go to SEN is we build social stories in advance. Um, mm -hmm. So if we, if, we, if we know we've got a session in two weeks' time, we build a visual social story for the top of the participant of the school. So today you're going to do this, you're going to meet XYZ, go do XYZ, and XYZ after that. And we found those sort of things to be very successful. But I think the, the change of routine going back to school and going back after all this is also going to have an impact. You're right, David, when you said that, 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 that resonated quite, quite deeply there. And exactly what you were saying as well, Richard, that the afterthought of this um, is as important as now, um, how we combat the afterwards. Can I ask a general question, and anybody can take it on, but I'm assuming that the stress factors have gone up um, right across the board and there's there's absolutely no sign of when they can relax back fold back into some sort of norm how are you how are you actually coping with that because obviously there's the stress that's and the frustrations that the parents the as we said the the subjects yeah, themselves are happening and of course you and your staff I think I think one of the things that we're really encouraging people to do is to is to break things down into small manageable chunks. Because I think if you I mean with anything, you start looking ahead too far, often you start to panic and you can't see the end to to anything. And, and we can't see the end to this at the moment. We no one has the answer. No one's giving us the answer. No one seems to have the answer. So I think, and I know that talking to Kate and Margaret and our other the others in our team. That's one of the things we're, we're encouraging parents to do. Let's look at today. Today, today's almost finished. Okay, yeah. tomorrow's a new day. To so try and break things down. In, and a, I mean, I'm doing it for myself. I'm doing it for my own children. Um, you know, let's look at today and, and celebrate what we can today and then start fresh tomorrow. Obviously, in terms of schools, certainly, I'm sure all, all schools across the country are, are thinking about the future but we don't have all the answers yet. In fact, we, we don't have that many of the answers yet because we don't have the information. So I think we're trying to go step by step so that we feel that we're making some progress because I think if you look too far ahead, it feels completely unmanageable. And that's when I think people really, really start to, to, to panic and, and, and feel really, really unsure. So is the message there, I celebrate small victories? Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Definitely. I, I think um, I'm not, you know well, I'm not only um I'm not only um a, you know a professional I'm also a mum and you know I can tell you from my own experience it's hard for your our children um and you just have to take every day and say right we've managed to get through today today let's sell it. what what can we take from today um and if it was a bad day then Hopefully tomorrow will be better. So just to and go, I, I, know think, jo I know Jonathan, you were going to come in. Oh, Kate, you're going to say something. Kate and Jonathan, yeah, go on. Just to, just to add on to that, it's this idea of when we're at school, this is what we do every day at school. We sort of debrief at the end of the day and we think about what went well today, what worked well for the children, what can we do better tomorrow? And we don't always get it right. And a lot yeah. of our practice is about self-reflection and doing things better the next day. And now parents are in the roles of teachers and they need to get into that, that um, mode, really, of self-reflection. And if it didn't work so well today, well, we'll try something different tomorrow, and it, hopefully it'll be better. But just trying to have, as you said, celebrate those victories that you, that you are having. Jonathan? Yeah, I just wanted to add, I think um, there's some great points being made, made here, and I think 
Jane touched on there, and it's about the day to day and just taking it one day at a time because this is an unknown quantity. We don't know how long it's going to take. So I think it's very important in terms of our students' mental health as well to just make sure that their well-being is uh, factored into this as well. I mean, like, I think Kai and, and David have made some really interesting points in terms of, like, um, the structure of students on a daily basis as well, the anxiety of the students, and, and from physical um, development aspect as well, like in terms of students essentially uh, comfort eating, so that, um, things like that I think is very interesting to factor in. And um, I think I was speaking to Otis um, yesterday about trying to come up with some solutions uh, to potentially getting some resources provided. He's been really keen to... Um, buy some sensory equipment for the autistic cohort so to such to give you an example such as trampoline scooter boards peanut boards to support their vestibular and proprioception so um one of the things we uh, both thought that was important was to provide these different pieces of equipment to identified students but the challenge we challenges we have here is that they're all out of stock so um we were thinking, weren't we, Otis, about the barriers that we could overcome with this? Yeah. Don't know if I think, uh, yeah, let me, let, me, let me jump in. Um, you know, I've, I've two hats here. One, I'm working with a lot of people in the room and trying to support them with equipment uh, and getting equipment out to families, uh, you know, just keeping them active. And as a father of an autistic boy of 14 whose structure has completely gone out the window, because uh, of school, it's, you know, the anxiety is starting to kick in. And it's, I think it's the not knowing when we're going to go back. Is it May? Is it June? Mm. You know, are we finished for the summer? I think there's, there's lots of different barriers there. Where, you know, but when you look from a family's point of view, one of the programs we're running is about supporting not just a young person um, who you know, is, is SEN, but the families around them and making sure that they're not, um, you know, um, that they're supported as well, just looking at the holistic family uh, unit. So, you know, we will continue over this period to, to change our product, which was to go into the schools and deliver, to actually getting the equipment to families that are identifiable by the schools, uh, that, that they can still, you know, do some stuff and break up the day. So, you know, it's really interesting and enlightening to hear some of the, some of the stories um, um, and, and from different professional people. And I'm, and I'm I think sure. you're right, and, and John, what you're saying there, because part of me agrees with exactly what everyone's saying here, but then there's a little bit in the back of my mind that worries about parents on low income who've been furloughed, who've been laid off. Yeah. And I think what you're, the programme you're doing, Otis, with sorting equipment is going to be a big financial gain for a lot of people because we don't want parents making unnecessary over-expenditures when healthy food and other things are more important. Yeah. exercise is so valuable to everyone and that's what we're doing at the minute is offering free guidance and advice to people um to do um exercise at home just little things like that without as john was saying with recycled bottles with what you can find around the house but i think what the program you're doing otis there to offer to identify families that need who need it is going to be a big financial help to a lot of families who need that extra support uh, could i say something there yes Mike? of course david um I think, you know, there's there's a key point, and it's been touched on there um, by a couple of speakers, and I, I'll just bring it out a, a bit further if I could. Um, you know, school 
both both send school and and you know a normal school setting for neurotypical children that provides respite for parents you know and in a sense work provides respite for parents because you know you go to work and you focus on the work um, and you know you're you're away from the house and equally if the carer in the house or be it be it the mother or the father if once the kids go to school, be the kids sin kids or be the neurotypical kids, you know, the, the carer has a respite and can meet another carer and have a cup of coffee and have a talk and a, and a bit of time off. You know, what, what's tended to happen, what, what we find during this time, everything is consolidated into your home place. Suddenly, your work has come into your home place your schooling has come into your home place. Um, you know, all of your kids are all together in your home place. Um, and, you know, th- you know, your days become very intense and very long. And come, come the end of the day, you know, you really are exhausted. And, and you get up the next morning and bang, it's off again. And, you know, so, so if you're to fit in the working day, and you're to fit in the homeschooling, you've got to get up that bit earlier. And, you know, so, and another point I'll just add to that, the whole, the whole sort of holiday season will be affected. You know, there are parents that, that we know of that have booked holidays, um, some of them abroad, some of them in the UK, and they're in question now. Um, and, you know, equ- equally, if, if you were of the view to take some time off work and book a holiday. At the minute, in the current climate, there isn't necessarily an opportunity to do that. So, you know, it's just these factors as well. I think it's important just to sort of throw them in there to the discussion and recognise them. You know, that that suddenly, you know, the home place for people, even with just a start, you know, with neurotypical kids, the home place is really affected. It's become completely different. I think it's a fantastic point. And, and as we're saying that there's no cognitive relief, uh, there's, there's no space in which to switch off. And that's coming across very well. It's great to see you all interacting. It was great in your introductions that you mentioned, you, you, you know, you bump into each other a lot, you work together a lot and you lot and you collaborate a lot. Are the community actually aware that that's going on? I think from, from my, from my point of view, Social media has played a massive part for us. Um, I've seen a lot of new organisations and new and parents set up plates, set up things. I, mean, I, I was only looking the other day. Um, there's a parent I know with a young three-year-old child, and they've and they've really gone into arts and crafts in the home, um, and they're trying to put these things on social media. So it's called Discover, Play, Learn. Just looking for sensory things for a three-year-old to do that can be translated across the board. Um, it's there's a fine line between going at parents and going at families and being desperate to put yourself in the way and doing the right thing, if that makes sense. There's a fine line. We don't want to put pressure on people um, unnecessarily, uh, which is sometimes the hardest thing we're finding is we've got projects uh, in care homes looking at looking to look after the elderly and in sheltered housing people with disabilities. And we don't, they've probably got a million and one people trying to fundraise at the minute some for fashion and some because they want to do it. Um, but it's try- those, those organisations and parents have to filter out what's good and what's bad. 
So it is, it is tough. Everyone's trying to do fantastic things at the minute. Um, we're trying to do something as well, which is really good and reaching out. Um, it's just how do we convey that message correctly, which you're right, Michael, is going to be tough. But I think with our network, it'll be doable. I mean, I get, I get the sense um, on listening to all of you that, you know, before this happened, you were already dealing with corrective strategies and coping strategies. And now you've had disorientation dumped on you because effectively the whole place is disorientated. You've now got to deal with that as, still, as well as still maintaining the coping mechanisms and probably hiding your own frustrations in order to deliver what you need to deliver. Have I got that right? Oh, I think so. I think it's invigorating, though. I mean, what an opportunity we all have. If, unless COVID had happened, we wouldn't be doing this, you know, and therefore we wouldn't be able to get the messages out and see that there's other people actually doing almost exactly what we do, maybe, you know, golf, skiing, football, whatever, school stuff, you know, but at the end of the day, our clients are our are the SEN students and their families and the carers and the people who get, you know, so I think it's just an amazing opportunity to be able to get our message out and to be able to ask people who are involved in this area, hey, just ask us questions. If we don't know, we'll know somebody who does know. Yeah. yeah. Be able to assist, you know. Great point. And, um, and, the, and, the, and the good thing about it, because... Funding eventually is a conversation that everybody then has. But actually, the stronger we are, the easier it's going to be to get more funding. And going back to your point, Michael, the, the hardest thing for all of us is the ones we can't help. We, that is the one thing that keeps me up at night. We could, the ones we can't reach is the thing that keeps me up at night. That's, no matter how much good you do in this world and how much, think, how much difference you think you make, there's always one or two people you can't reach. And that... That's the hardest thing. That's the hardest thing to deal with out of all of this is there's some people we just cannot reach. Um, and that's where these support networks are so key. Well, one of, the, one of the objectives of this podcast and the series that we're creating here is to give people a voice. Is, and that voice is not only the recipients and the beneficiaries, it's actually you guys as well. Because, because actually the, the good work that you're doing needs to be recognised and needs to be funded properly. Um, and you know the challenges that you face this is the platform to start really sharing some of those challenges you know um, really getting people to understand I have no concept of how well or not well Brent is resourced in this area so you guys could probably shed some light on it or am I looking at this room and going that's it I think we're doing a really great job actually and I have to say that um, I mean, it's a little bit frustrating because there's clearly more need and yeah. we're ready to plug the gaps. I know all the special schools are ready to, to plug the gaps, but um, there is always that delay of um, the sort of layers of bureaucracy. But I think in terms of our special education, we generally speaking within well, Brent are really fortunate. When I hear the word gap, my ears perk up. So describe some of the gaps. Well, I think the gap, the gap in, in education is that there's, there's just this growing need for really fantastic, outstanding specialist provision, and there's not enough. 
And so, unfortunately, at the moment, we're seeing a lot of our children having to go out of borough. Yep. It's clearly not where we want them to be because we've got, we mm. could provide, but there's that, um, you know, the, the wheels of the bureaucracy turn slow to, i.e., open up another special school, yep. those sorts of things. It's, it's quite hard work. Um, Kate uh, will know this uh, very well to, to try and get cut through bureaucracy to open up new special needs provisions is really quite tough. So I think, you know, coming together, getting people together, and this is a fantastic network. But I think generally the educational provision, I think the sort of after-school stuff, maybe that could be a focus and weekend things. But um, in terms of the day-to-day education for special needs, I think Brent is in a a fantastic position. Yeah, I'd like to say something on the sports side of it. There's a lot of good that gets done in sport, but it's too fragmented. What I think... Um, Otis and, and myself and Jonathan with the JRF and the partners which we're doing with Richard as well it needs to be under one umbrella there needs to be one organisation or one group like us now where people can go for all advice for all ages there's old there's young there's this there's that there needs there, it needs to be there's so much good going on it's that direction to get it where it needs to get to and that's where the pavilion and, and at Bridgestone uh, the Bridgestone Arena what's going on there is so so important to have that centralised unit in Brent, which is fantastic. I was just saying, from like educational perspective, I think like um, we're really good over the last few years of sharing best practice with like Brent Harrow Hearts Assessment Group, and that's where I know Jane and Margaret from. And in terms of sporting side of things, like as Kai was saying, I think that's a really good idea, like bringing it under one umbrella. And I know in terms yeah. of Richard, um, we've just started a schools uh, a schools in partnership with Snability, which is including a wide range of um, schools in Brent and bring, bring the project together in terms of disability skiing. And we've previously done that with JRF and Kai. So that's a good point to raise, like, can we do this in terms of whole disability sport as well? But I just wanted to touch on a good point that Richard made as well earlier. This is in difficult times, this is an exciting opportunity to provide all our experience and expertise, provide solutions for what our students and parents need at this difficult time. Okay, Otis? Yeah, I just want to just add to that in terms of the gaps. I mean, you know, we all know sometimes what the gaps are, but right across the board, for example, we've got sports in here, we've got Jonathan Teacher, we've got Snowbility, we've got golf, and the JRF across the board. Then you, you, know, you look at pony riding, there's so many different networks that we have that can come right into this room. But you know, we're talking about SEN schools and, and schools with complex needs. There's also, you've got to think about the, 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 the kids who are in mainstream school with SEN. And then, you know, me and Richard and Kai, I mean, and uh, John and Kai have spoken previously about, you know, when they leave school, you know, what's in place for them? What's the moving on program look like for when we've done all this fantastic work? And we're trying to get employees to take them on board. And, you know, we're dealing in this room here and we're working really hard to try and work with different stakeholders. But I think the more we can do things like this and spread the word and perhaps work together on some joined up projects, then I think other people will join in. And, you know, it may be something that nationwide, there'll be a a bigger push towards having this conversation. This is the type of conversation that would normally take place in a conference at the end of the year. But the fact that we've in this position here, albeit under this, you know, cloud of, of this, this virus, the fact that we're here in this room sharing this uh, in close proximity is, is a fantastic opportunity for us to 
to push it out to our parents, our carers, our networks, and give them an opportunity to have a two-way conversation and help that they can help shape some of the, the, the so just listening to David here, he's, he's almost shaping some of the things that we, we, we should be providing going forward. So, you know, I think it's great that we, we, we can do that. And just touch, sorry, David, just touch on that quickly from Otis. I think that's key, like pre- preparing our children for adulthood, the moving on programme that Otis has mentioned, Kai's touched upon it, looking at employment opportunities for us in 19 to 25. How can we create more opportunities for our pupils? I think that's essential. Um, I don't know if Richard wants to briefly mention about the scholarship programme that we've provided with one of our students at our school, but these are all great things that we can support our students in, in doing and come together like this, I think we can just um, really make a difference. Yeah, we've got um, uh, Natalia from the village school, who's one of our, our scholars. So we've got our past. Yeah, one of, we've, got, um, we've got funding. You know, we came up with the idea that, hey, you know, we should have additional need students working for us, you know, being, yeah. being instructors at whatever yeah. level we could do. So we went out and said to funders, hey, this is what we want to do. And they just said, fine, just let's, let's do it. And, and uh, Jonathan, bless him, you know, got, you know, got our first, our first scholar. You know, because the key with this is that every 12 months, you've got a whole new year group starting mm-hmm. in all of these schools. So, you know, this market is not just like, oh, let's the next three years. This is forever. This is the next 30 years. So the stronger we make this group, the more input we get from everybody. You know, this is going to go on and on and on and get bigger and, you know, we're going to get clever at it and we're going to get parents involved. We want students involved. We want the input from that, you know, and then, you know, so that we can really support and enthuse them to mm-hmm. break down some more barriers. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Just, just building on... Circle. Oh. Sorry, go on. Go. I'm just going to talk about the idea of preparation for adulthood. I think it's yeah. so crucial in everything that everyone's doing here, but also in schools that we remember yeah. that we don't just wait till pupils get to secondary age or older to start thinking about preparation for adulthood, that it's something that we're doing from the earliest opportunity and thinking about those really key skills that pupils need. They need to develop their communication, they need to develop their independence, and they need to develop their play skills and their enjoyment and their hobbies. And, and actually what a lot of the parents are doing at home at the moment is really fantastic preparation for adulthood because yeah. they're learning to do things in their own home. <clears throat> and I think that parents need to, to think about how special and important that is. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. we do preparation for adulthood from the EYFS. You yeah. know, constantly we teach children to become more independent and develop skills that will support them in the long-term outcomes when they um, transition from one setting to another. So. Well, then taking that back full circle, uh, back to where the conversation started with with COVID-19 and at home today, everything we're saying there about education and preparing people for for when they leave is how hopefully all the work we've done will be engaging the community already with how the people who've left school um, are dealing with it already and how the skills that that we've taught and helped with have transitioned to help them dealing with this COVID-19 crisis indoors. It's the, the whole education system and what we teach, I believe, is going to change after this. Because so. it, it's going to have to. Mm-hmm. Because dealing with a pandemic is so on our doorstep now. It's here. And how we've never known how to teach this for us. I mean, it was touched on earlier. We're now in the business of now. 
We used to be in the business of creating futures. We're now in the business of dealing with today, which is mm. new to all of us. Um, and that was where I think this network, this process, and having David's input as a parent it is key to shape how we engage with our, with our core audience. And I that's, think that's a very important that's point that you're making there. Ultimately, COVID has come along and shown us that we can be a community because we've had to be. We've had to adjust tactics. We've had to stand still and go, whoa, this is a chance to reset. And we don't have to carry on doing as we was doing it before. Let's call in. Let's share. Let's reevaluate and go again. And I think, David, I, I, I noticed being parents of autistic children, um, when you sit and you hear this conversation, um, because, again, Kai touched on the point of loneliness, you know, that, that point of, you know, is this just happening to us? I'm not under, you know, does anybody understand me? Is anybody listening? Um, when you hear this, how does it, how, how do you feel? Do you feel empowered? Yeah, personally, I do. Um, you know, I, I know, I know the work um, that, that a lot of the people in the room are doing. I go into the schools, I have those conversations and I'm passionate about it. And, um, you know, I, I know, I know what it's like uh, to not have any information. You know, you've got your parents active groups, but as a parent, sometimes some are more active than others. Some, seek to find more than others but hopefully you know as we continue to do this uh parents and families you know want to engage more and find out more and there are some cultural differences around how you cope and you know what i mean i remember the first time we got told that our son was autistic you know that from that to having to cope and move forward with it and and make do and 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 try to to to, to do the best you can but uh having support networks we're fortunate that you know, we had a few people that, that were able to give us some really good advice at the beginning and continue to do so over, over a period of time. But sometimes as a parent, you've got your own mate. You know your, your children better than most. So it's just really finding the, the best setting. And, you know, as, as we, we know, when we started this, there's, there's, there's hundreds of years of experience in this room. And if we can't, if I'm not empowered by any of that, then... Then I, you know, where, when am I going to be empowered? Uh, there's, there's, there's individual calls you can make to people. Um, I think in this room, for those who don't know each other, I think we will continue to build relationships and then pass them out to the people that need them the most. So for me, so I think it, I'm, I'm definitely, even though I'm involved as the foundation, uh, personally, as, a, as, as Jane said, we're, we're all, you know, we're parents here also, uh, first and foremost, and we go to work and we, we do the best we can, but at the same time, when we come home at night, and you know, we've got families, and we, you know, we want to help our families and other families, you know, deal with whatever struggles they may be facing. But you know, this is a difficult time, so this is why we're in this room, trying to see some sense and make some headway. Okay, David. Yeah, I'll add to that. Yeah, I, I think you know, it's it's a good thing to know that there is such a network out there. Um, and you know uh, what 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 appears to be a very well established network in different areas. You know, I think it's important um, that this network stretches and fits the environment that that's now beginning to emerge. Like you know, I mean, if you go back to basic, you know, business modeling, a, a business will only survive if it stretches and fits the environment. And you know that that is what's needed here. We need. We need the network 
to stretch and fit and, and you know, to add value. You know, coming back to Jane's point, let's not look too far ahead. Let's look at where we can add key value in increments. Let's do it step by step. Oh, David, that's fantastic. Well, what we're going to do, we're going we're gonna to wrap it up, but I'm going to get everyone to uh, just say their passing words on this first of a series. So we's, there's, there's more to come. And like you say, David, we'll drill down into some of the specific projects um, going on. We'll hear from more, from more parents. The one thing that a uh, comment that I'd like to make is that on listening, there's a, there's a great sense of belief in the room. And, and that's a very, very powerful thing. You know, if people believe that a difference can be made, they buy into it and, and things happen. If somebody comes into this forum and they immediately feel like we've hugged them, they've got this big warm hug, these people understand I'm where I should be, then we're doing what we should be doing. Richard, I'll go around the table. To be honest, just following on from that, you know, because we make a difference every day to not only students, but their siblings, the young carers who are involved in it, and also the parents and other carers that, get in, that also get involved. And it's, you know, it's, in, it's imperative that we are there just as a listening post. You know, when you learn mental health first aid, it's actually about not giving first aid, it's just listening and then signposting. You know, so the key for us is, is that the stronger the network, the more we can signpost in in the most appropriate way as we see it from our conversations with the parents. So I think it's, it's a fantastic opportunity. That's great. Uh, Jonathan. Yeah. I, I'd like to just touch upon what um, Rich just said. I think um, it's been a really interesting and informative first podcast and some great dis- discussions. And I think it's about making a difference and helping and supporting the Brent community um, in whatever way we can do that. Um, just also, also like to say to David, like, although I work in, um, obviously, a different school, if at any point you need some advice or support, please feel free to um, get in touch and uh, we endeavour to do all we can to help help you out where possible. Okay, thanks very much, Jonathan. Um, Jane? Um, I mean, we're, we're having to be really reactive to a, a very new set of circumstances at the moment. But one of the things that I pride everybody that I work with actually is being proactive. And I think what we're doing here is we're being proactive. We're taking something that's completely out of our comfort zone and we're finding a new way of being. And I think what I definitely believe in is the more you network and support and work with people, the better things can be. So I think it's really exciting times actually, Uh, bizarrely. And um, I'm really looking forward to actually following up some of these conversations and, 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 and hopefully supporting and, and, hearing, and hearing how that is, um, is being um, welcomed um, by, by others. Okay, so thank, thank you. you. Otis? Yeah, um, just echo all the points there, really. But I think one of the things I mean, we are talking about now and what's happening now, but I think it's an opportunity for us to be creative here. Uh, going into the next step whenever that will be but you know we can do a lot of work behind the scenes I know lots of people in this period are reinventing themselves reinventing their projects reinventing their business models but I think for us in this room I think we can really come out of this as a creative force uh, going forward especially in this field. Margaret? 
I just have to echo everything that's been said, but it's lovely to see the sense of community and collaboration between us. It's, um, it's going to be really beneficial when it's um, made more available to everybody. Fantastic. Um, David? I, I suppose I, I'm looking forward to see, to see the outcome of, of the future discussions. Matching the needs with key services provided is, is really value is going to be you know it's going to be made here fantastic and kate um i just think we're all very passionate here about doing the best by our pupils and our families and i think mike you, you touched on it earlier about the frustration that we must all feel that we can't be at our normal workplace doing our normal job and i think it's really exciting to be part of a network of people who are trying to think creatively about how to do our jobs but still put the pupils and the families at the front of everything that we're doing hi just to say, this has been the first step of a great journey for all of us. And as I'm sitting here now, I've actually had a message about how I am actually, we can advise people. Um, and a topic maybe for the educators in the network, Ramadan, COVID-19 and SEN. How do families deal with it in today's crisis? <laughs> wow. Um, well, one of our parents that... couldn't come on today because it's the first day of Ramadan. And exactly. And she's Exactly, going back to what you <coughs> said, tailoring the conversation. And this is one question that's just come out of already. So mm -hmm. it's exciting times going forward. And let's, um, let's continue the conversation, help educating people and supporting uh, all our families. Okay, well, I thank everyone for, for being, uh, being here today. All of you, we're going to see you, we're going to speak to you again, because these are going to be our, our regulars. And... Uh, the key message out of all of this to all you listeners out there is you're not alone. Thank you. Thank you. See you Thank guys. You. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to ask a question or be a guest on one of our future podcasts, please feel free to contact us at yana at jasonrobertsfoundation.org That's Y-A-N-A -A at jasonrobertsfoundation.org